Dr. Mark Sharona is one of those men that enlarges my life. And in this conversation today, you'll see why. Because he's not only, um, not only is he a learned guy, it's one of those things where he, he knows how to give us something that we can use in our everyday life. So he takes the things he knows of. He's a, he's a theosemiotician. He holds a doctorate in ministry and future studies in MA in psychology. He's, a, he's an author. He's a pastor of a great church, Church on the Living Edge. He's a certified coach, all these different things, post-grad researcher, all these things. But what he's able to do is take all of that and give me something I can use every day. And so I'm uh, thrilled to have today on Brave Men, uh, Dr. Mark Sharona. And you're going to love this. And, and, uh, and also, please do this. Make sure you tell somebody about it. Hit the, uh, hit the little uh, thing where you subscribe to it. And then also to our uh, podcast, the Brave Men Podcast. And then also at cmn.men, cmn, christianmensnetwork.men, you'll find all the tools that you need for helping disciple men, helping yourself, uh, building your family, growing your own life. Uh, you can see some of the Monday Night Men things we've done that are on YouTube. And uh, everything we do is to help grow strong men, strong families, and strong churches. Uh, today on Brave Men, it's great to have Dr. Mark Sharona. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. We are live on uh, Facebook with Dr. Mark Sharona. And uh, Mark, we've had uh, a relationship for a number of years. And uh, one of the things that happens when you and I talk, for me, is my heart is more filled with faith. I have this uh, deeper sense of um, groundedness, if you will. And so at this Easter season, as we have this conversation, and I want, no matter, because for me, every day is Easter, right? Sure. Every day is a celebration of, of uh, resurrection life and his death on the cross. And, but, uh, but I wanted you to walk us through Jesus and his mission. I'm captured by the, the statements that St. John wrote when he said, Jesus, knowing his mission was completed. It's a pretty amazing statement, said it is finished. And uh, so uh, Dr. Mark Sharona is a noted author and uh, somewhat, what, amateur semiotician? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I've got a doctorate in it. I don't know. That I know. That's, that's my <laughs> point. I got said, a bunch of letters that make it sound like I got something to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said Lynn, Lynn would be the guy. And I'm like, no, you're the guy too. And uh, <laughs> pastor of Church on the Living Edge, uh, a brilliant, uh, high energy, high impact church in Orlando, Florida. And so, uh, Mark, thank you for taking the time to be with us today and talk about Jesus, because especially as you and I are talking live here on Good Friday, it's a remarkable time. What is it that stands out? There's so many different levels of meanings on this. What stands out to you personally right now for you and your wife, Ruth? You know, I think um, first and foremost, I'm reminded of Athanasius' famous quote, he became as we are. Mm. that we might become as he is that that in giving himself for the life of the world this act of sacrificial love this self-emptying of himself in love for us um 
you know, I, I find myself, the older I get, the mm. more mellow I get. I'm a pretty <laughs> intense Italian. I have, you know, I, God got a hold of a dysfunctional Italian from New York, and it's taken, you know, almost 48 years for me to admit that I'm dysfunctional. And, um, you know, you still, I, but you, wait a minute, but you still dress intensely. <laughs> I do. <laughs> they you can't cast They've tried to cast that devil out of me. They can't do that one. They just, <laughs> so I, I'll have the Lord deal with that when I get home. He's going to well, judge I, me based on my I wardrobe. Think gonna, so. I think it'll be a whole lot more of that than, than we think when we get to heaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of stuff's going to burn up. I know. And Sharona stands and says, Oh Lord, I'm just glad I'm saved, you know, but, <laughs> um, but you know, I, Paul, I, I think when we think about Christ at the cross, it's mm -hmm. Good Friday. We think about him totally identifying with us in our humanness, that the way God shows us he loves us is he becomes truly and fully human. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate expression of humanness is this self-sacrificial love that he gives himself for us he wow. does die for our sins but he he does more than that he gives himself wow. for us and for our totality and uh i you know i don't i don't know that we can fully appreciate that in our youthful zeal but you know the longer we live and walk with him and his love um to realize how big those three words are it is finished mm. uh, I, they, they, they boggle my mind more today than they did 48 years ago, mm. you know? Yeah, there's, it is finished, you know, and, and it's uh, fascinating as you and I were discussing a few moments ago, we both jumped on that word today in our devotionals that we did uh, online to Telestai. Uh, which is, uh, it is finished. It, it means, the thing that jumped out at me about the meaning of that word, tetelestai, because it's a Greek-originated word that the Hebrews used in their language, the Jewish people. And the, thing, the one thing that jumped out at me uh, is that the debt was paid. It's a word that means they would stamp it on a, let's say you had a contract and you were paying off something. When it was paid off, they would stamp it tetelestai. It didn't mean your debt is canceled. It meant your debt is paid. Tell me the difference in that. How how's, how well, you? Well, it's it's one thing to cancel a debt. It's another thing to assume that debt. Mm. So that when your debt is if if my debt is canceled, that's that's certainly a um, a great relief. But if my debt is assumed mm. fully. It, it means that this is not something you can just cancel out. This has to be reckoned with. There's something here that is unavoidably the consequence of my profound alienation from God because of, as Augustine spoke of, original sin and originating sin. The somehow we tend, we might think, well, we wouldn't have done what Adam did when in actual fact we would have, you know, um, you know, what, what's interesting, you know, I, Paul, the older I get, the more I go back to the early church fathers. I had been exposed to them, certainly when I was in college in my undergraduate work and 
double majored in music and in, and in, in religion. I had enough credits to double major in religion, but you know, I had to study the early fathers back then. And, um, but I've rediscovered them in the last decade or so. And when, when I think about the fact that they, the way they contemplated the cross and the way they understood uh, this self-sacrificial love of Jesus, that um, when we realize, and, and, and here, here's the thing, it's not, you know, the reformers talked about penal substitutionary atonement, and it's not right. that he's not the propitiation for our sins, but if we start from atonement theory in the Great Reformation and ignore all the other ways in which the cross was looked at from the very beginning, we miss the fact that, yes, there's something judicial here, yeah. but there's also something profoundly therapeutic because sin is both um, the reality of my offenses and my transgressions and my rebellion, but it's also profoundly um, tied to something that is like a disease that has pervaded the totality of my being. And I can't get rid of it. I can't, I can't get rid of it. I can't disown it. It has to be owned. It has to be expiated. It has to be assumed. And so for the debt to be canceled would be to say, well, it really didn't matter, but it really did matter. It, really it mattered did. enough wow. for God Wow. To say, I've got, since you can't take care of this, in my love, I will assume this for you on your behalf. I'll carry your debt. Yeah. You know, that that's really strong. And, and you know, that whole piece, you know, if it's, if it's just atonement, in other words, you're saying it's, it's so much more than that. Well, yeah. And they're, they're, yeah, I mean, there are about eight theories of atonement. I, you know, the argument is that, that, you know, there's not just one theory of atonement. Paul right. never set out to, um, now I realize my reform friends are going to give me some backlash for this, but that's okay. It's part of the fun of, of healthy yeah. debate. Yeah, um, I think there's something to be said for looking at the atonement in a much larger way than simply reducing it to the judicial aspect of it. Yeah. Because Christ gave himself. I don't think we fully grasp Christ gave himself. God, when we say for God so loved the world, that word so there, so loved the world. No, that's that's love boat. No, God so loved the world. God, the so loving is that God gave himself in Christ. It's in this manner that God loved the world, that Christ assumed the totality of our humanity in all of its frailty, weakness, and there at the cross, he takes on our brokenness and the violence that entered into the human race because of sin and allows all that to be assumed in his person so that we could become who we were intended to be. So what isn't assumed can't be redeemed. Mm. Um, wow. What Gregory of Nyssa said, so that he assumes it all so that we can be fully redeemed from it all. Yeah, see, if it's just atonement, to me, there's... If you if we're not careful, it, be, it can become a uh, hands length transaction. Yeah, yeah. Where, where there's no intimacy, no sense of exactly. you know he did this for me. He's a judge, but yeah. he's, he's the lover of my soul. Yeah, no, the one yeah. who 
loves me gave himself. This is how he so loved me. He says, I will assume this for you. I will assume this as you, and then I will give my life to you. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. So it's not just transactional, it's incarnational. Absolutely. Totally. That's, that's, that's the word. That's it. Yeah. So this is the same God who wrote song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, when Jesus prayed, our father, Mark, to me, he, he it wasn't just uh, here's here's what our relationship is. As, as Paul wrote, you have many 10,000 instructors, not many fathers. He's our father. But Jesus invited us into and opened to us his his joint, his airship. Exactly. His life. Yeah. When we receive communion, the third cup, and all of those things that go with it off the, what would have happened on Thursday with his disciples? To me, I always look at the, the bread, his broken body as my past, and the blood, his life-flowing blood as my future. Wow. Just my little, my little, I, I need visuals, you know? Okay. What, is, what do these things mean? And here's my broken past. I take that first. And now over my broken past, I pour the blood of my of life for the future. Just those two things. And then to me, then the whole uh, the whole communion time, uh, whatever, whatever, however you want to style and call it. To me, it then becomes like very uh, personal. My past, my future. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Here it is. And so when he says, do this in remembrance of me, now Mm. we connect the dots to the thief on the cross that says, remember me. Wow. So um, there's this, now there is the one way of looking at that text, you know, remember the opposite of dismember, which remembering the, the, the brilliant theologian, Barbara Brown Taylor did a series on that years ago and wrote a book on it. But the other part of that is has to do, I think, with um, the memory of God. Mm. That here's a thief who has spent his whole life taking from others because he has nothing he can see that is from himself that is worthwhile. Mm. So he has basically, in being identified as a thief, this is a taker who thinks he's entitled to take what doesn't belong to him because he's lacking something in himself. And here at the end of his life, this thief who starts out mocking Jesus, according to one of the synoptics, by, the, by, the, by, the, by, by noon, he begins to rebuke his friend and saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, we're accusing him and he's done nothing wrong. So something has changed wow. in him while he is present to the one in the middle who is dying for him and giving himself for him. And he, like a disciple who rebukes another disciple for saying something inappropriate, he says, we've done wrong. He's done no wrong. So the spirit's already at work within him. And he doesn't say, remember me when you come into the kingdom. He says, he says, you have a kingdom. I know you're a king. And he says, I recognize you really are the king of the Jews. And he said, he said, I just ask you, don't remember me based on me being a thief and a taker and a stealer. Somewhere in the remembrance of God, whatever I was supposed to be, 
I'll die content if you'll just remember who I was supposed to be and not who I've become. And Jesus wow. said, I'll go one further today. Today, since you hear his voice and your heart has been softened today, you'll be with me in paradise because wherever I am is paradise. And so the remembering, and I think for us, Paul, I think a lot of times, look, I am, the older I get, the more I am aware that I am both a sinner and a saint at the same time. Mm -hmm. I, I know it's not popular because we want to brag about how we're saints and everything, but you know, one of the prayers I have prayed from the time I was 19 that, that has followed me and deepened my appreciation for God's grace is, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm -hmm. And I pray it more today than I did 48 years ago. Um, you because know, I'm aware, I'm aware of how yeah. how many areas in my life are fall far short of His glory. Yeah, and so I need Him to remember me for who I really am, and not for all the dysfunctional things in my sin that get in the way of not only others seeing who He is in me, but even me knowing who I am. Yeah, it's definition. It's going back to definition. Um, it's, uh, it's, I'm not defined by the things I struggle with. I'm defined by the fact I'm a passionate pursuer of the pleasure of his presence. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what defines okay. me. So and, uh, you know, when we talk about these things, it, I, you know, for men talking to men, I, I liken it to this, you, you know, you, you get the vacuum cleaner out, you go in and you vacuum your wife comes home and says, what did you do? You so I vacuumed. She says, well, thank you. And then she walks in that same room, turns the light on. And now we see what we missed. And it's, uh, for me, it's the closer I get to the light, the more I see the stuff. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Wasn't it Paul, Paul, that started with, uh, you know, his first writings were a call to be an apostle. Yeah. And his last writings were, he described chief. himself as chief of sinners. Yeah. And when you talk about remembering it, it, I just turned to Psalm 78. It reminded me of uh, the men of Ephraim. And it said on the day of battle, the men of Ephraim turned back. They were, it says they were skilled warriors. Right. They were men of God. They knew what they were supposed to do. They were in the army of God. And it says in the day of battle, the day of crisis, they turned around, turned back. And it says, because they forgot what God had done in their lives, they forgot the strength of God. They forgot the goodness of God. Yeah. And man, remember me. Wow. That, that just jumped right there. When you mentioned that you've, you've been walking through a whole series of devotionals and people can find this, uh, where they find is it MarkSharona.com or. Um, yeah, they can. I mean, every Friday on Instagram I, or on Twitter that we post that I do, um, I do a weekly reading from the, the revised common lectionary there, you know, the, I, I, I like the lectionary for many reasons. Our church has followed the lectionary from the days we were in Raleigh. It, it, so you, the lectionary, if you follow the three-year lectionary, over the course of every 365 days, within three years, you read the entire Bible. Right. And, and the way the lectionary is laid out, all four readings um, dovetail in some way. So the mystery is learning how to figure out how the, this, the, the fathers of the church and the mothers of the church saw all these as connecting the dots. And so sometimes it's like, you got to be like, like Columbo, you got to figure out how do these verses relate, but it's, so I normally take one of the four and I just do a little 10 to 12 minute missive on it. 
Yeah, because we're in year B. Is that right? Yeah, it's year B. And so, uh, and this is something a lot of us, uh, for me, growing up in a Pentecostal Protestant background, I never celebrated Lent, uh, Advent, in that sense, the the historical right. things of the church. And, and my son, Brandon, who pastors C3 Church, who you know, pastors C3 Church here in Fort Worth, I jumped in on it this year uh, with Advent and now with Lent. And, you know, it has really been remarkable. And then I've been listening to you and then also to Leonard Sweet. And uh, just the, the beauty of everything. And really, this comes back to this thing where Good Friday actually is good. Yeah. That when the, when the pre, high priest would come out and he would, he would uh, slay the lamb, the sacrificial lamb on the day of atonement, which Good Friday is, day of atonement in the Jewish calendar. And the high priest would come out at, in mid-afternoon at the same time Jesus said it is finished. He would come out and say, Tetelestai. Sacrifice has been completed. And people would shout like joyfully. We remember, we remember what Christ did for us. In particular, it's a very uh, heavy or weighty thing which is honorable because honor means to give weight to something. But there also has to be this, this other side, uh, Mark, where we're joy-filled. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Mission is completed. Speak to me about that and about how Lent points us towards that. Okay. So in, in the 40 days of Lent, the church historically – went on a journey of humility, self-reflection, repentance. But the 40 days was reminiscent of Jesus' 40 days of being tempted in the wilderness, a reminiscent of the 40 years of the sons of Israel being humbled and tested to show them what was in their hearts. 40 always uh, signifying the testing of man. Yeah, testing, transition, yeah. This, 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 yeah. this space that we enter where we discover parts of ourselves that need to be brought to light that we've got to own mm -hmm. parts of ourselves that we tend to ignore and the 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 culmination of lent in holy week is 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 what happens on good friday when jesus at the cross begins with the first verse of psalm 22 you know it's interesting psalm 22 yeah. um is a psalm of the exiles. David prophetically is certainly speaking of Messiah, but David also as a prophet is speaking before that of the exile in Babylon. Right. Psalm 22 was one of the most recited psalms in Israel's history in Second Temple Judaism, because even though they came out of Babylon, they came out under the oversight of the Medo-Persian Empire, so they still weren't free. So essentially, right. even though they're in their homeland, they're still not home because they're right. governed by the Medo-Persians. Then the Medo-Persians are conquered by Alexander the Great. So now they're still not in their homeland free because the, the Greeks now rule it over the Jews. And then they're conquered by Julius Caesar. And right. so Roman rule now is quite oppressive and they're still not free. So they're still crying, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? And so Jesus assumes the story of Israel and brings it to speech in a way where it can be heard before the father. So they feel like they're not heard. When we say why, we feel like nobody's listening. 
Yeah. But when Jesus assumes our humanity and he says why to the father, it is heard with reverberating echoes to the point where the rocks split, the earth shakes, the veil is rent because he is the veil that is the separating point between the visible. And when he has opened up access to the father, because Christ is a place in the father all by himself, he's the new temple. And we now, have, so when you say our father, I was thinking before the late Robert W. Jensen, the great Lutheran theologian changed my life when I heard him say in a lecture, he said, our is Jesus saying to us, piggyback on me as I come into the Father's presence. So all of us piggyback on Jesus. So the first hour is Jesus saying, you pray with me because I'm the chief intercessor and high priest. So when you say our, I'm giving you my spirit so that you as an adopted son and daughter can say my father, but you're saying with me, our father. So the first hour is Jesus, us picking back on Jesus. And then it's all of us together piggyback. He's got a big back. And we can all fit on it. And so when we say our father, we're piggybacking on him. So let me, let me clarify this. Uh, Psalm 22 begins with a scripture that yep. says, Eli, Eli, uh, something. Okay. Yeah. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I was taught growing up, uh, Mark, that, that this was God turning his back on. On God. On. That's impossible. Yeah, exactly. What dad would I? So now if I'm going to pray our father and, and this is the dad that in the moment of crisis turned his back on his son, how am I going to trust him in my moment of crisis? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a fundamental misreading of what forsakenness is. I think it's Jesus entering into our forsakenness wow. and giving us a voice where we haven't had one. He takes on himself in, in collective humanity. He takes on our why, you know, um, a what question is usually pretty easy to answer. A how question is usually easy to answer. A when question and a where question usually are, are pretty easy to answer. Even if they're complicated, you'll get to an answer. But why is usually a question that Ray is raised when something intolerable something that defies our ability to find well-being, something that is very unaffirming. You yeah. hear someone say why, and they don't feel affirmed. And yeah. here's Jesus taking on the spirit, the demonic spirit that denies us and doesn't give us an affirmation and denies affirmation. Jesus takes on that why for us, that forsakenness of the original sin. And Father hears it and says, I hear that I've come down. You know, when God says, I've come down, Moses, I, I've come down, you go. The ultimate coming down is when God takes on human flesh and he comes and says, I'll take the why so that when I get to the end of Psalm 22, I can say it's done because the end of Psalm 22 is it is finished. He's done it. Yeah. So he starts a song. I also look at it in his humanity with his mom there and uh, other friends. And he, he starts a song of promise in order to remind them, here's what's happening. Because they would all know how to sing that. So really what he did is he started a song. Yeah. And uh, goodness, that now here's, here's the deal. You just hit me with this. This is so good. He took our why in order for us to know our why. Exactly. 
Yeah. He took our why in order for us to find our purpose. Colossians 1.17, everything held together by him. Uh, Galatians, in him, I find my identity. Absolutely. We come yeah. back to definition. And, and I know I may get in trouble for this too, but I'm, you, no, you know, I, you know, I, Paul, I know, you know, I, not only do I have a degree in theology, I've got a degree in psychology. Right. And when I studied psychology, I, I went to the seat of secular humanistic potential. I went to the, the university where it all started. I went to Saybrook where Rollo May, Carl Rogers, and um, um, Abraham Maslow uh, were, were, were honored because they were the, the, the fathers of the third force movement, the secular human potential movement. And I studied the tenets of human, the human potential movements from a secular perspective. And as I wrestled with all those things intentionally to, to feel, to, to say, how do I understand that worldview? But then how do I understand their postulates in light of the gospel? The one voice that has any right to speak to human potential in the universe is the one who on the hill where he delivered the Sermon on the Mount says to those that are distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. He knows they're sinners. He knows they're broken. He knows they're fragmented. He knows they have rebelled against God. He says, you are the light of the world. If anybody has the right to speak to human potential, it is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I really unpack that, the cross is not the mortification of my personality. It is the death of egocentricity, but it is not the mortification of who I am, essentially. It is the liberation of my true-to-God self so I can be actualized in the potential of who Mark Sharona is called to be. The cross doesn't diminish me. The cross enlarges me. It is accomplished. So taking up my cross daily is not a beat down. It's a lifting up. Absolutely. It's, well, the cross is always the lifting up. Sure. Yeah, and the cross of Christ is the throne of God. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's, a, it's the, the old picture. He's the snake in the, that was lifted up. And that's it's, it's the picture of uh, modern medicine. It's the symbol of modern yeah. medicine. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I remember Robert Cook, the, 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 the now deceased Robert A. Cook, the, the president yeah. of King's College, he would say there's life for a look. And it was always about the serpent on the cross. About the look. Keep, keep looking up. Keep looking up, he would say. And it so was the always about the serpent on the cross. I want to, I want to, uh, here's the deal. Talking with you, Mark, and you and I have sat over dinners and meals together. And, you know, you never actually land it. We just decide we're done. <laughs> there's this. There's so much. And so I want to do that, though, for us. Uh, the mission of Jesus carried forward in us, right? If we're the light of the world, tell me, speak into that for me as a man or for us that are listening to this right now. My mission going forward out of this amazing fulcrum point of, of, uh, of history, what's, what's my actual, what's my life identity? What's my going forward in, in Christ? What's that mean? How does, how do I work that out? Okay. So the father sends the son and then immediately sends the spirit to indwell us so that we can carry on 
we are the ongoing incarnation of Christ. We, wow. Christ, Len will say Christ isn't supposed to be imitated. He's supposed to be personated, that, that he comes in, in, in our personhood so that we can give ourselves to others and empty our lives into others. And I think for men, Paul, I think we need to remember that there's a lot of areas in our lives where we tend to be afraid to be real. Mm. And wow. the, the, what, what has benefited me most in my relationship with my brothers in Christ is when we've come to the place where we're willing in our pouring out to talk about our humanness. Yeah. And what it means, and, and let me just tell this story. Like you remember better than I do the prophetic word I gave you when we first met you, mm -hmm. when, we, when I first met in Colleyville. You remember that with detail. I honestly don't remember the details. Here's yeah. what I remember. A few weeks later, I'm back in Dallas. I'm at the embassy suites and you show up in my room. And when I tell you, you're the first friend that I made that ever the first thing you wanted to do when you got into my room, as we sat together in that living room in the suite, you said, Mark, I want to pray for you. Yeah. I mean, I remember that is indelibly etched mm. in my heart because at that point, God really knitted you to me in a way. I said, my God, he's praying for me. He's, he's praying for me. And, you know, as a man, we don't tend to think we need prayer. Yeah. Uh, we don't ask for prayer. No. We, we, we don't want anybody to think we've got any problems. Yeah, and, and, and so okay. in a very disarming way, as a man, you were praying for your brother. And that has left, when I tell you, Paul Cole has left an indelible impression on Mark Sharona that will take him all the way to eternity. I'm not kidding. That memory changed the way I viewed my manhood in yeah. terms of, because I, I've, honest i've prayed for people as a pastor but never have i really offered to pray for one of my brothers in a in a it was just it was a defining moment for me yeah it was a yeah it was a great moment see the thing is the prophetic word you had for me i actually took <clears throat> and some people will remember cassettes but <laughs> <clears throat> i took that and had that duplicated on a cassette for all my children and my entire family, we all listened to that because at that time in our lives, that word was a, uh, a rhema word. It was a, a word of power. You, you don't even remember the details. I've reminded you of the details and we've talked about them. But, but it was uh, because it was a God thing. It was a God moment. And that's, I believe, how we're supposed to be going forward as men. I don't believe that every single moment we're going to know that this was a God connect. You know, I'm talking to a waitress at a at a restaurant. Uh, I'm, I'm meeting a guy, you know, next door. Uh, talking to somebody in a park when we're walking, you know, our dogs, whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and it's not always it's going to be, oh, man, that was a moment. But I believe that we carry a light so strong that every moment we do have that interacts with anybody else, that God speaks to those people through our lives. Yeah. I believe we're... we're um, you know, fully human, Jesus. But I also believe we're filled with his divinity. Oh, yeah. In some amazing, mysterious way. Yeah. And that, and that uh, if, you know, and even in our worst days, 
You know, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Even at our darkest moments, we can have a word for somebody else that sets them absolutely sets absolutely. His life for them. So, and he loves us on our worst day. He does. He does. He's consistent, and that's 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 comforting. That's I really think comforting. men. I think for us as men, we can really get down on ourselves. When we talk about the whole Easter experience, we come out of there and we go, okay, great, fantastic, but I'm not that guy, or I can't really walk that out. I can't really be that good. He doesn't expect us to be that good. He just wants us to live in the fullness, you said it before, of who I am, to become fully me. And that, uh, right there, we've defined success. Because this world's looking for success. We talk about success, but success is to become fully. I put it in, in the book, uh, Bartender, I put it this way. Uh, success is to fully satisfy my personal design. Yeah. Become and I mean, and just think about, I mean, the whole book is about, you know, Nehemiah's, I mean, you start with Nehemiah's journey in that yeah. book. And just the boldness that it took for him to go into the king's court with a, with a, with a, a sullen face. I mean, he could have had his head chopped off. But he had the courage to say, all's not well in the kingdom until this part of my life gets sorted out because it's part of my history. And I want to be able to see this change for the yeah. lives of so many. Yeah, the man, the man uh, needed a miracle, but he knew a king. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, do we. so do we. And that's us. Yeah, it is us. That's you and me. And that's us. And that's our yeah. friends. And, and, uh, we need his uh, life and his intervention flowing through us. And, and we are not able to get things done in ourselves, but we know a king. And uh, so, um, Lord bless you on, on this time, uh, Mark, you and your beautiful wife, Ruth. And, your, uh, and you've got, uh, if people do go to your Instagram, it's, uh, uh, what is it? Is it? Mark Sharona, doc, Mark Sharona, at Mark Sharona. At Mark Sharona, M-A-R-K-C-H-I-R-N-S. Two N's. At Mark Sharona dot com and then uh on the instagram and on your instagram every so often a few times a week maybe or shots of your grandkids so yeah i can't help it I'm addicted. <laughs> which is which is part of living to this stage of life oh gosh it's, yeah i mean yeah. they just they're my joy they yeah are they are joy. they're awesome and then i follow your son mr drums too so yeah with stuff on there anyway blessings to you and your family you. and we pray everything your hands touch uh, dr sharona will be blessed and that god will keep you deep within the grip of his grace and love in jesus and, and paul for you uh, again uh, you and and julie julie judy and and the family i pray that you have a blessed easter i also want to thank you for what you've done with your dad's legacy yeah that um even going. surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses so i know there's uh there's a major intercessor that's tag teaming with jesus for you and the fruit of it is i probably he just stands amazed at how far reaching i hope so taking this thing i guarantee it's it. A, it here's what it is it's a great cloud of witnesses and here's the hat it's a great yeah. group of brothers yeah it's, it's brotherhood man that's the story yeah. of the whole thing Bless you, brother. Thank you for being with Thank us. You much. On, uh, Facebook Live. And uh, we're going to put this on the Brave Men podcast. And for everyone who doesn't know, cmn.men, cmn.men, there's a portion of that Achieve Lab in which Dr. Sharona has spoken a number of our conferences. And uh, it's some brilliant exposition of the gospel. 
is on there on those videos. And so uh, thank you, Mark, for everything you mean for us uh, as a ministry and for me personally. I love you. Love you too, man. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Uh, and I know you were totally knocked out in this conversation with Mark Sharona, the things he shared. Uh, I hope it enlarged your life as it did mine. I'm Paul Lewis Cole, and I want to thank everybody who's involved in this. Chris Shields, our producer. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Mark Sharona, Missy Hood, everybody involved in uh, Church on the Living Edge and uh, Mark Sharona Ministries. This is the type of thing that we do at Brave Men at Christian Men's Network to help enlarge our lives, equip us to be men with grit and resilience and strength. It's not just meeting brave men, it's becoming a brave man. And that's why we talk about the things we do on Brave Men. I want to thank you for being with us. Do this for me, would you? Would you help partner with us by just hitting subscribe on that podcast, wherever you're at, Amazon, uh, Shop, uh, whatever, all the different places, and Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this will help us. And then also, you can go to YouTube and hit in Monday Night Men, and you'll see where we've covered some powerful books, Strong Men in Tough Times. We've covered The Power of Potential, Never Quit, and things that will help strengthen you and a lot of churches use to uh, build their ministry to men. So thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. All the tools you need, again, at cmn.men. God bless you. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. And let me add this. I love my wife. God bless you. We'll see you next time. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.